What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Got a guest joining me here on Zoom, Ryan Marks, uh, not only a friend, but a brother. We work together at Orbit Media at Muskegon University, uh, one of the best people I've ever worked with. And unfortunately, transferring from Muskegon and going to OU, but I'm excited for what the future holds for him. And I'm excited to get to talk some sports with him again today how you doing ryan i'm doing great man yeah it's been it's been a while uh last time i remember doing something with you it was the playoff game with muskingham the playoff uh volleyball tournament and mm-hmm. it was that was what a way to go out uh you and i it was just a great game unfortunately it didn't fall the way we wanted it to but that was a beautiful game to call it was like just set like back and forth you couldn't have asked for it like it wasn't a blowout you don't really want to see a blowout it was just a great game. Obviously, you want to see Miss Gingham win, but I mean, to have it end that way, right? It's hard to complain, like with the product that we saw out there. But yeah, I definitely would have liked to have seen our our Lady Muskies get that dub. But that game, that's all. That's gonna rank up there for me in terms of the games that I've called um, with you. So it's probably my favorite game that I've called overall so far. Uh, granted it's still early in my career. I still have two more years of college on top of hopefully getting to do it as a career later in life. But yeah, it was, that was such a good game. It took to the last set, took to the last point. We had extra mm-hmm. serves. Um, and it was just fun because I, we, you and I had that great back and forth connection. I believe that was probably the best one I've ever called myself. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I did transfer from a scam, but I, I had no, no harsh words towards them. They gave me the best of their ability and is they just provided me with so much, so many communications and, and just connections that I can move forward with. And unfortunately I did have to transfer, but no hard feelings. So what's the plan for old Ryan Marks going forward? What's, what's going to be the, the course of action once you start up at OU this fall? So the plan for OU this fall, I will be taking a semester of gen eds, just trying to finish that out and get acquainted with the school in the area. Smart. Granted, I'm from here. I still have to, I was never really on this campus much before coming here. Uh, Cause it was more of just a nuisance, you know, growing up, you watch all the college kids, they're jaywalking across the brick streets and, and, and just impossible to find parking and everything. And now that I'm, now that I'm actually a college student, I'm just experiencing the town really for the first time. Cause I grew up outside of Athens. Uh, so it, it's different. So this semester is going to be kind of feel out period and take my gen eds. And then, uh, in the spring semester, I'm looking to join the scripts building and communication. It's one of the top nationally ranked journalism schools in America. Nice. So hopefully I can get into that and we can get working from there. There's a couple radio stations between one that works with the school and others that I'm going to try to get a, get involved with and maybe work with the Copperheads, which is a student-ran baseball team. Uh, it's kind of a summer league team here. Gotcha. So, so the radio stations there, it's not a, it's not like WMCO with Muskingum where it's its own thing. It's um, an outside entity that works with the school. Right. The way I believe uh, there is WOUB, which is a radio station, but I'm not sure if it's directly provided by the school or if they just work, they just coexist. Uh, I'm still still learning it out here. Uh, I haven't really got a chance to talk to people about it um, because I've only been here for a month myself and a lot of people are out with it being summer. So it's it's a process. Um, I'm just excited to get this next step taken. Yeah, I'm excited for you, brother. I know you, you, you did a lot at Muskingum. You're a legend in my eyes just because of everything. You, you were there for a short time, but you did absolutely everything that we had to offer. And 
uh, I'm excited for what you can do with uh, like, it's a bigger school at OU. There's going to be more opportunities. So it's definitely a, a place for you to kind of expand your horizon. Absolutely. I'm definitely going to have to fight for more airtime here as opposed to Muskingum. I was fortunate enough to be able just to, if I wanted to, I could call this or I could go do that. Uh, there's going to be a lot more competition here with, with trying to get involved. So it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be a fun challenge, but I'm excited for it. And I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate the kind words. I've, I feel like I did pretty well in this kingdom. I don't want to, I don't want to gloat too much, uh, but I, I do feel like I did a significant amount, but I couldn't do it without you guys. Appreciate it, brother. So what about plans for the summer? Are you doing anything fun vacation wise? Kind of, kind of COVID, I guess is quote unquote over. So I, I, at least in a lot of areas. So like, are you doing anything fun this summer? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. With COVID being over, um, Athens County just lifted their mask mandate uh, June 2nd. So we no longer have one. Uh, you're starting to get a sense of normalcy around here. People are starting to be out and about more. I do not at the moment have any plans for any vacations or anything. Uh, I just moved into my apartment recently. So I'm trying to catch up on the bills. Um, just, just That's working, fair. just working at the job right now. Just trying to not, not necessarily make ends meet, but definitely, definitely get a head start on it before I get into too much debt. Sure. Um, what sure, about you, man? Uh, I haven't talked to you in a minute. Do you have any big plans? Any vacation wise? Um, not as of right now. Um, just kind of, rolling with it right now, but I'm working out at the wild zip lining, you know, five or six days a week, which I've, I've been off like, I think three out of the last four days, just because we've had really bad weather and call offs and stuff like that. And people don't really want to go zip lining in the rain, even though we do do it. Absolutely. People don't want to do it. Um, so I'm just kind of doing that right now. And then, um, vacation stuff might, eh, might wait until like maybe later at the end of the end of June or probably in July before we think about doing anything. It might be just a couple day trip or something like that. Um, nothing too crazy though. So we'll just see how it goes, but kind of like you, I'm just trying to keep ahead of the game with, um, with stuff that I'm stuff that I'm paying for. So that way I've got enough money to, to go back to the skingham in the fall. So we're just, we're just vibing right now in summer and, and trying to get it working. But Something that something that hasn't changed between you and I, even though we haven't talked in a while, is our love of sports, man. It's, yes, it's it's something that really helped us bond. You were the first person I really started talking to about sports when I got to Muskingum uh, and got to WMCO, and, and I'm glad we can still hold this connection. We just texted each other randomly, and now we're on a call together, about to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so let's take a look at our agenda for the for today. It's it's pretty slam packed, but we're gonna get through it. We got. Uh, rumors about the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams. We're going to start with that. Then we have some stuff in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Julio Jones, some NFL superlatives, uh, predictions for next year. Uh, And then we'll close it out with some talk about the NBA playoffs, uh, NBA finals predictions, the Los Angeles Lakers' future after they got bounced in the first round by the Phoenix Suns. So let's start off with this college football playoff discussion because i i don't know how i feel about a 12 team playoff we've been we've talked about ever since like year one after the first year let's expand it to six teams let's expand it to eight teams 10 teams my problem with that though is like we already have an issue now where we want to expand it by a couple teams to get five and six in because they're we we feel like they're good enough to be in there if we expand it to 12 teams it's not going to really solve that problem because teams that are sitting at 13 and 14 and 15 are going to think they have legitimate arguments to get in 
And at that point, you might as well just make it a March Madness bracket of 64 teams. <laughs> you know, I would I would not, as a fan, I would be completely okay with that. But as an ex-football player. a lot player, of football. As an ex-football player, yes, that is a lot of games to be played. You would definitely have to spread that out. It's longer than the more. NFL season. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just the bracket by itself would be rivaled to a regular season. Um, but I, I am on board with expanding it. Uh, I do agree with your, with your controversy of uh, 13 and 14 saying, hey, I thought we were good enough. But at the same time, once you start getting to 13 and 14, you start getting teams with one loss in there. And that's where you can be like, hey, these teams didn't lose. They were at the top of their game. And the way I understood it when they're talking about it is they're going to have six at large, six uh, conference winners. So you got your power fives and then, uh, I think it's a with the group of five. It's one of their winners, and mm-hmm. then it's six at-large teams. So not necessarily okay. your conference winner, but teams who pr- produce extremely well. So maybe you'll get somebody like say the SEC championship was Alabama versus Florida. If it was a super close game, even though Alabama won, if Florida that was their only loss in the season, they played extremely well, they might still get in. I right. Um, that's the way I understood it, and it complete it could be completely different. It may just be the five conference winners and then seven at-large teams, which would give give uh, teams like Notre Dame more of a chance because they don't have a conference championship. So they still have seven slots to try to get in. That's a fair point. And we could see teams like uh, BYU and Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati where they're not they're not the, the top tier, but they're still an at-large team. We can give them their chance and see how they prove. We can not have a not have a situation like UCF with they're saying they're the national right. champions when they didn't even right. make the tournament. I, I think I it was just just about to say like it would help a team like UCF who went undefeated two years in a row get right. into the playoff. Yeah, I'm, so look at us already on the same page. Never never missed a step. But uh, yeah, I think. I think it just gives more room for uh, more room for just, just saying things and, and less room for error. Uh, actually, I guess more room for error because you'd be able to sneak into those lower seeds, but less room for error in the sense that you're, you you're definitely going to get the best teams. You're yeah. definitely, you're definitely going to get like the four or five best teams. And then once you get to that middle and lower end of those 12 teams, that's a little bit more debatable, I suppose. Uh, so I think it kind of makes it a little harder maybe in that respect because yeah, it's I mean, harder. It's, it's definitely harder. You're to pick also, them. you're also getting to two lost teams too. Once you get down to like 10 and 12. So how do you determine which, which two lost team is better than the other? Absolutely. Uh, I think, I think it creates a great debate. Um, I think it's a, a safer option for the playoff committee because then there's not as much controversy between picking a four and five, as opposed to picking a 12 and 13. Uh, right. I think because there was the year that Ohio state missed Oklahoma got in and there was just total controversy because they're like, Oh, we were the better team, but they got in. And it, right. it, it's not as serious of a debate at 12 and 13. I believe I, I agree with that. And that's probably why I would probably, I would, I would side with going the, the 12 team route or if it's a little bit lower, like eight teams or whatever. And I, I was, I, I agree with you on that standpoint. I've, I always thought it would be cool. What if you just did the five power five conference winners and then just the next best team, which that's a lot of debate. Who's the next best team. Like if you lose in your conference championship, I guess, how do you like one out of five teams, but then that's also kind of unfair to, again, to the teams like a UCF or a coastal Carolina or BYU or whatever. Um, but, But I guess in fairness, like, 
those schools aren't, you know, Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. Absolutely. So. They're not meant to be. Okay. They're, they're called Power Five conferences. For right. Me. Uh, I understand. I see both sides of it. And that's why, I, as a fan, I'm totally for it because it just means more football for me to watch. And if there was a safe way without getting too many games involved, if you could do like a, all the losers of their conference championship, if you could have a little tournament of that and the winner right. of that gets the sixth seed. Um, this is see, like that would but be fun, just, but again, that's, that's too many football. games. It's too much football. Yeah. Yeah. By the time that six team makes it to the tournament, they have four more games on their belt or something like that before they even get to the actual playoff. Um, right. Oh, and they're probably going to be gassed too. And meanwhile, these other teams have been chilling for a month. Absolutely. I, th- yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of room to work around a college football playoff expansion, but going about it is going to be very delicate because no matter what, you're going to make somebody unhappy. I would be okay with like a 10 team tournament where you have your, your winner and your loser from all your conference championships. That way you don't have to worry about the loser being the sixth best team. But at the same time, that takes away of the importance of the conference championship. Cause regardless, yeah, exactly. you're going to be in the tournament. This is like so deep of a conversation that like we're contradicting ourselves in a way. It makes sense in my mind, but I feel like, there's just so many different ways you can kind of look at this. Absolutely. It makes it so hard to determine what's the right thing to do. Yeah. Every time you open one door, four more doors appear. Uh, it's, it's just, you can never, I'm not going to say you're ever going to take the wrong path with it or the right path with it. There's just so many options that we haven't even explored yet for it. Uh, I, th- I think it creates for a lot of controversy. Like I said, with in, like you said, with contradicting each other and, and having everybody, somebody be unhappy at every point, but it creates for a lot of, uh, a lot of improvement with the college football system because fans in general are just not happy with the 14 playoff. They think it's not enough because the four and five is just such a delicate system because they're both good teams. You can't, you can't have four teams from five conferences make it because somebody's always going to be left out. And especially having teams like Notre Dame who are, who don't have a conference and yet they're still getting in. Then you're having two conference winners that didn't make the playoffs. Right. And, uh, years like where we've had Alabama and LSU in the playoffs, you had two sec teams and other people were not happy about that because they felt that they were a better team because they had the conference championship on their side. Right. And then that means you have three out of the five power five conference winners in the, in the tournament. Potentially. I don't, I don't remember what the rest of the field was like that year, but absolutely. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a delicate situation, but I think, Regardless, as long as they don't completely drop the ball in this, fans are going to be happy because they're going to get more football to watch and they're going to get some more good games in because you'll have teams with that necessarily wouldn't normally make it that are going to be like, hey, we got the shot this year. We got to make every we got to make every move to take advantage of it because in a typical year we wouldn't get in as the eight seed, but this year we can. So now we got to we got to take that to the best of our ability. Yeah, I I think going to eight, ten, or twelve, whatever number they decide on going to be better because it's going to ensure that you get those teams that are highly up for debate. And then I think it's kind of going back to like what you said, once you get down to like nine or 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever, however far you go down, less people are going to care about that. Obviously those schools are going to care about it, but you're not going to hear about it on sports center every day about coastal Carolina is complaining that, you know, they're sitting at 13 and they're not getting in at number 12. Like, I don't think people are going to really complain about that as much, but like teams like, you know, Florida last year or Texas A&M or 
teams that were just on the outside, they're going to get in, and that's what people care about. Yeah, because you you have your big teams, and it, and it's increasing revenue too, which is going to have yes. the NCAA on board in general. That's probably the main motivation behind it, which is mostly it's, everything. Is, yeah, is it's very money. greedy, but it's more revenue for them. You get more teams in, you can sell more merch, you can have more national awareness and exposure. So you're going to get, you're going to get more views. You're going to get more people watching it and you're going to have more people talking about it. So that's, that's mm-hmm. social media talk. And that's, that's money right there. Um, so yeah. I think, I think that's the whole, I think that's the main reason they're looking into it finally, but as a fan, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. As long as they don't water it down too much with too many teams and they make this too, too long of a tournament and everybody's playing like these schools are playing like 16, 17, 18 games. If they're not, as long as they're not doing that and they don't water down the competition too much where it's like, okay, Alabama is clearly better than like Fresno state. Like, why are we even doing this? Um, then absolutely. I and think that's, they'll be okay. And that's what I heard with the expansion is no, what they're no going to do. To Fresno state, no, ab- absolutely not. <laughs> I could not go, I could not go out on a field and cover anybody from Fresno state or any other small. Right, exactly. But it's just in comparison, that's like having like the, the jet season last year going up against like, I don't know, the saints or the chiefs. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's a mismatch in talent. Uh, and it's, it's not fair. A lot of it in college, especially there's a huge gap due to recruiting and financials where, when you get to the NFL, everybody's the best, of the best, but college, there's that massive gap. Um, and it just creates a difference. But what, uh, what I understood when they were talking about it is a possible first round buy for conference winners. That way you can have, you can have your, your matchups in the first round and then those winners will go play the conference champions. And I think that's a little rough in football because you get, like you said, a bye week to kind of recover and recuperate. But at the same time, it makes for something like a Fresno state won't play in Alabama or UCF won't play in LSU because they, they are aware that, Hey, these guys probably won't win unless they already beat that other team. They're comp they're competitive enough to win. Right. I yeah. think I think baseline. There's a lot of room to work with this, uh, and we could always do something like try it out one year, and if it doesn't work out the way they want, change it again. Because there's no limit to how much you can change this thing. Got to find the right system. I think the problem is if you start it, if you go to twelve, and then you think that that's too much after one year, you can't lower it. No, you've got to no. keep it at twelve. So I would almost rather them, you know, expand it to. If you start with eight, eight, eight next and then year, you can always move up and again. then maybe you keep it that way for a couple years. And if you're like, okay, we can probably, I think we can probably do a couple more Then you can do it. I think start small. Yeah. Cause you can't, if you, if you go too big and then you, you backtrack on it, you're going to have like, that's the end of the college football playoff. And you're just going to go back to the BCS yeah, format or some other new format. That's hip and cool. Cause then fans are going to be like, Oh, well you moved it up for these guys. But when we were this seed, we didn't get in. You're just going to make people unhappy. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely agree. You can't backtrack. So this, that's why I said it's a very delicate process, but I think there's room for improvement. I think I would be okay with starting with like an eight team, see how that works. You can always move up to 10 or 12 after, but if you think you have it figured out and you want to do 12 teams now, again, that's just more games for me to yes. watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. It's just, you better stick by your guns if it yes. doesn't go that well. Like exactly. You better, you better stick to it and just work through the growing pains because you cannot, you can't 
go back. So. Exactly. And, and it may not work out for the first year just because it's different and people don't like change. Um, it could, it yeah. could just not work for that. And be like, Oh, well, this is not the same. It doesn't have the same feel. Cause these games, they understand that if they win this, they still have two more. So they're not necessarily playing as hard. Um, you're, you're going to have people who don't like it just cause it's change. But I right. think it's a step in the right direction to expand the college football playoffs. Yes. And so it, is it a, like a, a probable, not a, like it's, it's, it's more probable than not. Is that what you said? The words I heard were, it is more likely than not that the expansion will happen in the next two seasons. Okay. So it's not necessarily for next year, but it's, it's soon. It, yeah. It just depends on how quickly they can sit down and get it agreed upon. Uh, but it is for, for the near future. Gotcha. That's going to be interesting to to follow for sure. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do and if they stick to it after a couple of years, if, if they do end up changing. So we'll see, but um, let's shift gears now to the NFL. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. A lot of interesting situations. Obviously Julio Jones got traded um, not that long ago. We'll talk about that, but I want to start with Aaron Rodgers and this whole mess in green Bay, because right now he's not attending the mandatory you know, training camps, mini camps, or OTAs, whatever you call them, that's going on right now. And his five best receivers, including Devontae Adams, didn't show up a couple weeks ago, but now they're all there now. It's just Aaron Rodgers who hasn't shown up yet. Um, And to me, it feels like if the receivers were holding out because of Aaron Rodgers and now they're going back, that means Aaron Rodgers is losing, you know, in this situation because he couldn't get them to stay with him. So what what, I'll just start with this question. What do you make of the whole Aaron Rodgers situation? So I think it's a little trouble in paradise here. Uh, he definitely, he definitely uh, has has good good possibilities as a player at the Packers. I mean, he had one of the best O lines. Granted, they didn't resign Corey Lindsley. They let him walk because they re- they resigned Aaron Jones instead. Um, he's got a lot of money coming from the Packers. He's got great receivers. His defense was solid. Uh, he's got a good coach with uh, Lafleur. I think I think I think he's got good possibilities as a player with the weapons and talent around him, but he's more focused on his ability to influence the front office. I think that's his problem is not having, yeah. uh, Like Bruce Arians gave Tom Brady the ability to scout the receivers in the upcoming draft that he wanted. Um, He was like, Hey, take a look at these guys and let me know who you want. Um, But things like that, like Drew Brees, Mahomes, uh, Alex Smith, when, the Mahomes was taken by the Chiefs. He was in on that conversation. Yes. He was he was let know. And that's what Alex Smith even came out and talked about it. He said it's it's disrespectful what the front office is doing to Aaron Rodgers. I True. think I think as a player, I would be content with staying in Green Bay because there's a lot of ability to flourish there. Um, you have a good team in well, a week back in to a back week division. championships. I mean Absolutely. you're right there. You are there. You're you're just a piece away. Um but I, I think this late in his in his career, he's more worried about the impact he has on the front office because I cannot doubt he's arguably one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. Um, he's he, he just has that much impact on the game, sure. and I th- I think he wants that to reciprocate into his ability to influence. You said one piece away, and the one piece they're missing, I think, is another wide receiver because Devontae Adams can't. He does it all, but he can't be the only one because absolutely like, let's just fa- I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling is not a number two. Yeah. Alan Lazard is not a number two. No. Those are, those are great so, pieces. 
you can get those guys working with a solid number two, then you'll be fine. But yes, they, they cannot one of those step guys up into can that be a role. three. Yeah, they can't. So like, I that's where I get Aaron Rodgers' frust- frustration because they've only taken one offensive player in the last 10 drafts in the first round. And it was Jordan Love was last Jordan year who Love. they traded up for to get. And it does not appear that he is anywhere remotely close to ready to play. Granted, last year there wasn't a preseason and there wasn't there was very limited training camp. So obviously he didn't get a lot of work in, but it doesn't look like he is that next successor to Aaron Rodgers. And so, Aaron, Ryan, Aaron Rodgers kind of shut him up about it. So I'm, I get where he's coming from, but he can't can't shoot himself in the foot though. I'm not out on Jordan Love quite yet. I think it's too early to tell, especially with oh, I agree. Uh, I agree. with COVID last year, it, you we didn't get to see film because media wasn't allowed at OTAs and at practices. Yeah. So we didn't see anything about Jordan Love last year. And this year through two OTAs, the first day he struggled, he went twelve for twenty-three with an interception, no touchdowns in team, and he failed a uh, two-minute drill. But that was his first day with Team One reps. I think it was early. Second day, he comes out. He had a stretch where he hit a wheel route to A.J. Dillon, right sideline for 30 yards. He hit a free play to Lazard for 45 yards. He hit a deep corner route to Jawan Winfrey for 30. He hit a deep sideline to Aaron Jones for 30. And he was just, just moving it around the field with ease. He actually did it so much that his tight end coach ran out and started fanning him with this playbook because he was just on fire that day. So I think it's too early to tell. He had one bad day, one good day uh, through the first two days of OTAs. I think I'm not ready to be out on Jordan Love. I'm not ready yeah. to be all in on Jordan Love though I think you take that with a grain of salt I think that's why they're holding on Aaron Rodgers as much as they can because they don't know if Jordan Love is going to be ready he said he was because he was like that's why the Packers drafted me traded up and picked me was to be ready to be a QB1 so I'll be ready by week one Um, Mm -hmm. but I think there's I think there's a sense of worry I agree and that's why they're trying to hold on to Aaron Rodgers the the problem I have with Aaron Rodgers doing all of this though is that like this off season, like free agents, I don't know what free agents, so I don't know how notable they were, but free agents like talked to Aaron Rodgers and said, Hey, like I want to come to green Bay and, and team up with you. I want to join the Packers. And he was telling a lot of guys, no, like don't come because I'm not going to be here. And to me, that's just so irresponsible and very petty. It like, is. Cause you, you- cause you're, cause the front office doesn't know that these players want to come. So they're not like, how can they help you if, you're telling them to go away. Exactly. Maybe they're not drafting the players that that you want. You can't always control that, but you can go to the front front office and say like, Hey, these players want to come here. Can like, if if we have the money, can we bring in one or two of these guys to help me out? And he's telling them no. And that's another thing. Uh, Not only he's telling them no, he won't take a pay cut. They asked him to restructure his contract so they could get him more weapons. And he refused to take a pay cut, which I understand. If you're one of the best players in the league, you deserve a lot of money. But you look at Tom Brady. As much as I I dislike Tom Brady with a a great passion, um, he did it right. He's taken pay cuts his entire career to ensure he can get weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of quarterbacks don't understand. They take Ryan Tannehill just now. He took a pay cut to bring in Julio Jones so that, that way they could afford his contract because and he's now, an expensive receiver. And now he's got Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Josh Reynolds, and Derrick Henry. Uh, he's got weapons now because he mm-hmm. took a pay cut. Yep. I think I think that's what you're supposed to do as a team leader. Understand, hey, if I take a little less, because when you think about it, 
millions of dollars. Like even if you're taking a pay cut from 38 million a year to 30 million a year, that's still a lot of money. That helps because you don't need one player with that $8 million. You can spread that out and get a couple like really nice veterans for two or $3 million a piece. Absolutely. And, and that's what I don't understand in the grand scheme of things with like athletes still wanting that much money compared to like a regular worker. Like I'm making $10 an hour at my job and Mm -hmm. you're, and you're making millions of dollars. Granted you're, you're playing and you're destroying your body. I get it. But you're making money that you could possibly never even spend right. with your career earnings. And you're worried about taking a pay cut that won't even affect 5% of your career earnings. I, I get, it's probably a pride thing. Cause it's I, like, well, you're, you're not giving me what I want in terms of like a personnel standpoint, the players that I want in the draft. So why would I give you back the money that you paid me? Like, you're just going to take more away from me. So right. I get it. I do understand that, but it's, I, I asked you something I've always wondered growing up was, was why athletes ex- expected that much money. I would always like, it's easy for me to say this sitting here and not actually be a professional athlete, but I would want to win. Yeah. That's the, that's like, the name of the game is winning. As long as I'm not getting paid like the bare minimum and I'm, I'm getting maybe a little something I want to win. You know what right. I'm saying? If I, if I'm, well, if I'm a competent athlete where I can go out there and compete as a starter on a winning team, I would rather take five million less a year if that guarantees we can use it correctly. Mm-hmm. Now, and that and that's the problem. You can't guarantee that they'll use it correctly. But if you can, if if you can make it work to where my five million isn't just going to something stupid, right? I'll gladly take that pay cut because it means it gives me a better shot to win. It gives me more weapons. It gives me more of a chance. So I don't understand the whole needing that much money, but at the same time, I get it. Uh, you're, as you mentioned, you've taken one play, one offensive player in the first round in the last 10 drafts. And it was my, it was my replacement. It was my <laughs> successor. I understand that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy with the front office either, but there's a point where you can be unhappy and, and, and stop your team from winning. And I think you just need to balance that out. I foresee Aaron Rodgers not starting for the Packers as of week one. So not starting as he will not have shown as up? In, as in he will either not have shown up or he will be traded. Um, I can't. So, so, you're, so are you like 50-50 on? Like if you had a gut feeling, if what, I had a what do you gut think feeling, happens week one? I've been saying – for a couple months now, mostly just to troll my brother. He's a Packers fan. So it has been fun to watch this go down because he is, he's is so angry about it. Um, Cause he loves Aaron Rodgers and he thinks he's the guy you need to keep. Uh, if I, what I've been saying for a couple months is Aaron Rodgers will be in orange and blue in the mile high city in Denver week one. See, I would love to see him out of the NFC. I don't know what can the Broncos offer. So the because Broncos, the San Francisco what? 49ers on draft night, they reportedly offered Jimmy Garoppolo the third pick in the draft and a bunch of other picks that are probably like second rounders, third rounders, whatever. To me, that's so, the best offer that you can get. I think it was a solid offer, but I think they wanted to wait and see who would be there for the third pick. And with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson going one and two, I don't think they trusted Fields or Trey Lance enough to, as in the Packers. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, okay. to take that pick. I think they, I think they understood that maybe if it was the one or two pick and they could get Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, maybe they would consider that. But 
they don't trust the other guys. Uh, there was a fall off from two to three. Um, I would say if you're, if you're offering a trade for the, for the Broncos, I would say it's Teddy Bridgewater, or Drew Locke. Um, one of them has to go for a replacement. It's probably going to be I would Drew say, Locke. I would, I say. would honestly say it'd probably be Teddy Bridgewater. You think so? Yeah, just because you're sending over a veteran for him to train Jordan Love. Like, if I'm the Packers, I'm asking for Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke. Because um, I think Teddy, I think That's Bridgewater's fair. a better quarterback, and he's got the veteran skill set to train up players. I mean, he's worked with, he's worked with Drew Brees, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and and he's and he's just been there. He's been in the league long enough. He knows what's going on. He can help Jordan Love. Sure. Uh, so I'm asking for Teddy Bridgewater. I would suffice for Drew Locke, but it would have to. You'd have to give me more on top right. of it. Right. Like you need um, a lot of picks. Yeah. I, I would say Teddy Bridgewater, one or two first round picks, one or two second round picks, and a, a receiver or Bradley Chubb. I wouldn't give up Bradley Chubb. If I'm the Broncos, I wouldn't give up Brad. I would give up Bradley Chubb if it took out a few of my picks. Sure. Like if I could give up Teddy Repla- Bridgewater. Like rep- Placing like one of the first round picks or one of the second. Yeah. If I could. Okay. If I give up Teddy Bridgewater, a first round pick and Bradley Chubb for Aaron Rodgers, I would. Um, I I do think the Broncos are built to win right now. Like they literally just need a quarterback. Their, their secondary is disgusting. It is ranked the number one secondary in the NFL as of right now. And I think they're in a good position. I think they're quarterback away because uh, they have a good O line. Their receivers are solid. They just got they just got Javante Williams on top of having Melvin Gordon. Um, they have That's, Noah Fant. They have good weapons. I think they're a quarterback away from winning. And if Teddy Bridgewater pans out, more power to him because I love Teddy B. Um, but, I don't. Th- they're like the Broncos are going to be decent. They're not going to be. I don't think they're a playoff team with Teddy Bridgewater, but if you put Aaron Rodgers in there, I think they're they're going to be Super Bowl contender. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're tough to be a playoff contender in general, just for the sake of where they're placed. They're in the AFC West with the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders. And I don't want to be biased as a Chargers fan, but we had one of the best off seasons in the league. Oh, one hundred percent. On top of having, we we got four new offensive linemen. And one of them was the best center in the league. And our fifth lineman is Brian Bulaga, who was, who's already a stud. Um, right. I think we, we built up around Herbert and I don't, I don't want to turn this into a Chargers talk, but I think it's a tough situation because the Raiders are on the upswing. The chiefs are the chiefs and the chargers are arguably one of the best sleeper teams in sure, yeah. the NFL. So I think it's a tough position for the Broncos to be in, but I think if you get somebody like Aaron Rodgers, they could be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, that's if I'm the Broncos, you you 100% pull the trigger on Aaron Rodgers because absolutely. And I mean, another he's, rumor, he, he's got a couple years of of his prime left. I would give him two to three um, years of prime left before, uh, depending on injury. Now I can't vouch for that. Sure. I can't vouch for any unforeseen instances. That goes for anybody. That's exactly. Uh, you some I could walk out and break my ankle later today. You can't see that happening. Um, right. Uh, but another rumor I heard was a. Uh, Von Miller. That way you're getting two veteran studs in, in a trade. That way you're not sacrificing your youth with Bradley Chubb, but you're still giving up an elite I pass rusher. Be, I would be more willing to trade Von Miller than Bradley Chubb. I would be too. And because he's older, say, 
less productive, a little bit more injury prone. Yeah, coming off on injury. Expensive. Very expensive. I I'm not saying that Bradley Chubb is better than Von Miller because no, I still think no, Von Miller is I still think Von Miller is better than Bradley Chubb. But at this point in their careers, I agree. I would rather trade Von well, Miller. One's than ascending Chubb. and one one is starting to descend and they're eventually gonna meet yeah. somewhere in the and middle. Especially and so coming I would, off an I would rather I would rather move off of Von Miller a year year too early than a year too late. Yep. And especially with Von Miller coming off an injury from last year, I I think trading Vaughn would be the smarter choice than trading Bradley Chubb. But yes. I think I think deep down my gut feeling is that Aaron Rodgers will be playing for the Broncos week one. See, I feel my gut feeling is that he he's eventually just gonna cave and he'll stay. Uh because I I just don't know those that sounds like a great trade offer. I would Denver be willing to to give up, you know, one of their two pass rushers and a lot of picks and maybe one of their quarterbacks? Maybe I don't I don't know. Right. But I believe San they Francisco would. San Francisco offered you an already proven, yes, injury prone, but proven quarterback in Garoppolo who can work for I'm years. not high on Garoppolo at all. I don't think he's good enough to be a starter in the league. That's I see, don't my well, they were a Super Bowl team with him. They yeah, were in the Super Bowl, and they were a quarter away from winning. Yeah, but throughout his entire playoff run, he threw like thirty-three passes total. Okay, I th- that's I think. I mean, the I energy think, championship's fair because Raheem Mostert did have and in uh, the Super Bowl monster game in the Super Bowl, he lost them the game because he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in his only play that sure. he really needed to make as a quarterback. He missed it. Uh, throughout that game, I think he I think he only attempted eighteen passes in the Super Bowl, and he completed like twelve of them. Um, it, he did not have good enough stats. I think he was carried by that defense that year and having Kittle and Mostert and Debo Samuel just being speed demons on the outside and then Kittle being a stud everywhere. Uh, I think Jimmy G got carried. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I just, I don't think he's good enough to start in the league and you can win games based on his play. I think he's a good accessory. Um, but if you're trading him to someone like the Packers, all they have is Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones. Uh, once Devonte Adams gets locked up or double covered, I don't think he can make a good enough play to get somebody like Alan Lazard open or Marta Marcus Valdez scaling open like Aaron Rodgers does. Right. So I guess my thing, well, with Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's in the lineup for San Francisco, granted their defense, has been is what kind of that's the foundation of their team but they win like 75 percent of the time when he's in the lineup when he's not playing the 49ers are pretty bad right because they because garoppolo is at least competent garoppolo he's got a good mind on him i don't i don't doubt that at all especially learning under bill belichick for as long as he did um i i don't think i don't i don't discredit his mind i just don't think he can make the plays and on top of that when jimmy garoppolo was out that was this past season Almost the entire Niners roster was injured. That's also true. So I think I think there's a I think there's a, a skew on that statistic. But I would I just seeing the talent in the league and seeing how many good quarterbacks there are, I think it's tough for me to put him in a starting spot. Now, what about this? Because this is what I was this this is what I talked about weeks ago when this whole this news about Aaron Rodgers came out about him wanting to leave and then 49ers were interested. What if you you take Jimmy Garoppolo, you get that third pick in the draft, why not use that third pick on another weapon and go get Kyle Pitts? Or if you don't want a tight end, you get Jamar Chase and you've got someone to put with Devontae Adams. So that way, if Devontae is getting too much attention, 
you can go to the other side of the field and hit up Pitts. You can hit Jamar Chase. I don't think that's a bad idea because those two I are mean, two of the safest players in this draft, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, exactly. Like that's one. So like Jamar Chase are, I think be. you're set up better. Like obviously Aaron Rodgers and Jim, there's not a comparison between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, not even close. But at the same time, still getting de- like decent quarterback play if he's healthy and you get a Hall of Fame talent like Kyle Pitts. You have Devontae Adams, who will probably be a Hall of Famer at the end of his career. I mean, that's about as good of a consolation for losing Aaron Rodgers as you can get. And I don't know if another team other than the Broncos offering Vaughn Miller or Bradley Chubb can offer that. And on top of that, say you struggle, you can either take Jimmy G out and put in Jordan Love. And then if Jordan Love doesn't pan out, say you're still struggling, that next year in draft, you got Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. You got exactly you and, and you got those two and say you don't even win one of those. You're still a high pick in the draft. You can get Derek Stingley, get another weapon and keep just moving back, trying to find that quarterback. Cause you still have Jimmy G and Jordan love that give you, it could put up at least an eight and eight season um, at, at, at worst. And with you being in a weak comp week uh, division with the Vikings, the bears mm-hmm. and the lions, that's competitive. Eight, well, eight and nine now, or nine and eight because of the the extra right, game right. and the schedule. I knew what you meant. I knew but, what you meant. but I think I think you could still compete with either of those two at quarterback. So yeah, doing that and then taking a weapon instead that wouldn't have been a bad move. I never even really thought about that because I I was so worried about the quarterback situation for the Packers. That's actually a right. good look. Yeah, you could because have definitely because you, you can like Jimmy Garoppolo works for a year. That's what San Francisco is going to be doing. They're going to play if Jimmy Garoppolo is healty and the 49ers are decent i mean yeah. jimmy's gonna play the whole year he's and then he's Trey looking Lance will to, just come in next year i would say probably depending on how their season comes out trey lance comes in about if they're already eliminated from playoffs or if they're already in a good enough seed to where they're like locked into the playoffs i could see him coming in about week 13 week 14 just get not like yeah. not necessarily a start but just get some drives here and there just to see how he yeah. plays because like my thing is like with the 49ers, if if they start off five and one, six and one, because I think they're good enough to do that, you're not gonna take Jimmy Garoppolo out. Unless you're like the Dolphins and you started off really hot with Fitzpatrick and you took out him for Tua because you understand that that's your future. Yeah. I mean you could do that, but I I, I feel like that would just be because it, I, don't I went through was- this as a Cowboys fan, not the same situation, <laughs> but like we had Tony Romo and we drafted Dak with no intention of him even playing. He was just going to be a backup. We drafted him in the fourth round for depth and Tony breaks his back in the preseason. So Dak has the play. We start the year off eight and one. I, I love Tony Romo was better than Dak Prescott at the time, but you're not going to put Tony Romo back in the lineup and rock the boat. So like. Right. And well, on top of that, on top of that, uh, with with the Cowboys situation, you're you're trading, you're you're putting older back in as opposed to for younger. I kind of see it in a different situation with like the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick, he's an old dude. He's a good. It's player. a different. It's dude. a different different dynamics, but like a similar situation. Yeah, you, if you're in a playoff position, you don't want to change it up. Um, but at the same time, it that's something you got to weigh out. Is it is it worth going to the playoffs this one year now with your old quarterback, or is it better to develop your young player and get him prepared exactly. for to carry, carry the load for the next 10 years? Exactly. Um, and, and that's just, that's a decision you have to make in that season at that point in time, whether it's, Hey, we're not only good enough to be in the playoffs right now, we're good enough to compete for a super bowl. Like mm-hmm. if you think you're good enough to make it to the playoffs, but like, Hey, we might struggle once it comes wild card divisional round, maybe we'll put in to our, Trey, 
Trey Lance or something like that, just because. Okay, we missed the playoffs this one year, but he's set. Exactly. Uh, I think it's I think it's a delicate situation, but I think I don't think there's really a wrong move in it. Um, it is definitely going to hurt some chemistry taking out your star quarterback, but it might move might be to be the right move in the future. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm interested to see what happens come week one with Aaron Rodgers, though. Um, yeah, I think Broncos it's... fans are, are are drooling. They're foaming at the mouth right now because they can either get the the looks for the Broncos right now are Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> And if they can pull the trigger on one of those, if Deshaun Watson can ever even play again, yeah, that's that's, gotta, a, that's a whole discussion for like that a, is a, uh, that that can be a an episode in and of itself. We could talk yeah. about that for an hour and a half because you that's can, there's a lot going on there. I don't even want to begin to try to unpack that situation. No, um, I don't. I don't even think it would take us so far off on a tangent we wouldn't be able to get through any of the rest. Um, there's a uh, lot going on there, but Broncos fans are in a very scary position where whether they could actually get somebody or not. Cause if you get one of those two, you're set. Um, barring, barring in, in a situation where they can both play week one. Um, right. But yeah. if you don't get either of them, then you're stuck with Teddy Bridgewater or drew Locke. And I wouldn't trust drew Locke at all. No, after we watching had the lowest him, completion percentage of all starting quarterbacks last year. I would not. And it's super roll. unfortunate because I was a big fan of Drew Locke coming out of Missouri. And Same. now he's just, he, he, he let me down. He let me down a lot. Like he's talented. He's got a rocket arm, but he's just not consistent. And he's, he's a little, he's got a little too much flair. I don't think his mind is there. I no, don't think, I don't think he can make the reads correctly. I think he's too, and maybe that's just a, a young immaturity kind of thing. Um, Cause you can kind of see it in his actions. He's not, not immature in the sense where he's disrespectful or mischievous or anything, but he's just, he's kind of like a kid out there. He's, he's out right. there, he's dancing around, he's having a good time, but he's, he's almost focused more on that than he is about football. It mm-hmm. seems like um, that's why I would, it's okay to bring in Teddy two glove. Um, Cause he's a solid quarterback, but he's got the mindset of, Hey, we're here to play. Right. Right. Um, another trade that, Almost, well, I don't know if almost is the right word, but it was very much talked about was Russell Wilson wanting out of Seattle this offseason. And he listed a couple of teams that he would go to, like the Dallas Cowboys before they re-signed Dak. I think the Chicago Bears was one, the Raiders. There was the New Orleans Saints, which they could never make that work with the money. But Absolutely um, not. They would have to send Michael Thomas. Right. So like he listed a lot of teams, but now he's kind of gone back on what he said. He's saying that he never requested a trade from Seattle. And if I could compare this to anything, uh, as soon as I saw this headline yesterday, I immediately thought of this. It's like when you're a little kid and your mom or dad tells you no, like you can't stay the night at a friend's house or a friend can't stay the night at your house or like they tell you no for whatever thing as a little kid. And then you threaten to run away and you like pack up all your toys and your stuffed animals and a couple clothes and then you take off out the door and then you realize that you can't actually run away right that's a, that's, <laughs> like a that's very... what i think like russell wilson was just a little kid in that situation thinking he could just run away and he realizes that he can't yeah i know that's actually that's a that's a good uh that's a good comparison. I'm trying to think of one. I I had never really thought about the situation much because uh, I didn't. I could never picture an instance where Russ would leave. 
Um, cause every time I think of Russ, I immediately think of Pete Carroll. And every time I think of Pete Carroll, I immediately think of Russ. I think those two mm. just complement each other extremely well. Um, I think he deserves better linemen. Uh, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he definitely, but I don't think I could have ever seen him leaving. So that's definitely a fair, he like, he packed up the one stuffed animal in a t-shirt and, and maybe like a granola <laughs> bar or something. And he was like, I'm out of here. And then he got out to the yeah. end of the road and he was like, what way do I go? What, and, yeah, and, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. And, and he's like, he's like, no, actually this world is scary. I'm going back to what I know. Um, Cause yeah. at this point in his career, if he leaves, he's going to have to learn a whole new playbook, have whole new weapons. And you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, I'm not, I'm not running away from those weapons. Um, yeah, no, no, those are, those are great. Uh, that's, that's, that's a, as good of a duo as, as really you can get in the league pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's also if, if DK can figure out the drops, he'll be fine. Oh yeah, he mm-hmm. leads the leagues in percentage of drops when targeted, and that's crazy because Deontay Johnson had a really bad year, and DK still leads it. Um, I I think if he can get the drops figured out, he'll be fine. Yeah. Also, with my my little kid comparison, it's also kind of like you get out to the end of the road and your parents run after you and drag you back to the house uh, mm-hmm. because you're acting stupid. So. Uh, that's probably a little bit more accurate because Pete Carroll said, no, I'm not trading you. Like you're not, you're not going anywhere. Like, so quit crying about it. Quit being a little baby and, and play. Right. And uh, at the same time, I mean, like hopefully it turns out just like the little kid experience where you grow up and you're a little bit older and you're like, man, I'm glad they did that. I'm glad they brought me back in. Right. Um, Because I would have struggled out there on my own extremely. Uh, So hopefully they can get it all figured out, get some linemen, uh, they took a lineman in the draft this year, and from the draft reviews that I've been reading, it, it looked like it was a pretty good pick for it being late in the draft. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about taking Eskridge in, in the first round because – or not the first round, but the second round because they didn't have first-round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. Right. Um, but with that being said, taking Eskridge in the second round, that's a 24-year-old rookie. I don't know how I feel about that. That is a very old rookie, and at a position you already have with receivers – I don't know if that's the right. Yeah, it, I don't. I yeah, I don't really. I didn't really understand that pick. He's a good kind of same thing. Like the Rams did, like the same thing. They drafted with, uh, Tutu, Tutu Atwell yeah. in the second round. I think. Like I will why? give Atwell. I will give Atwell a little bit more of a of a an ease because he's younger and he's a, he's an athlete. He is absolutely. Oh yeah, but I he's very hear. small though. He's very small. He is so small. And that's the smallest that's receiver the in the league, probably. I would say he's easily up there. Isn't um, he like five eight? And he's like he only he weighs like he's like a toothpick. It's something like that. Um, Let's, I gotta look this up. Well, there's also that. Uh, there's also that Oklahoma State receiver. I think that just. I think he just went to the league. That's really small. Um. But yeah, that's the problem with the Rams having too small of receivers because Cooper Cup's not a big guy, and Tutu Atwell's Woods not is, a big guy. Woods, I think is, Woods is like solid six size. Two. Woods is a yeah. solid size. It's he's, he's a little bigger, but you can't just have uh, you. He's got to be better than Woods if he's going to be your only big guy. Huh. Tutu Atwell is five foot nine, one hundred sixty five pounds. Yeah, that's very. I'm small. sorry, but that's just to me that doesn't work in the NFL as a he'll, rec- like he'll probably be a punt returner. Yeah, he'll have to do a lot of but, like jets, like jet sweeps and yeah. bubbles, and he's not gonna be he he'll have to route you up to get any chance of being open. Um, yeah, he's gonna have a large amount of space for him to be able to catch a pass. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, back to back to the Russell Wilson um situation. Right. Uh I yeah, I don't think Eskridge especially cuz I never I didn't hear about Eskridge like at all coming into the draft and to no. take him in the second round especially with uh him being him taking him when someone like Amari Rogers that the Packers took, Packers did take Amari Rogers. That's a little weapon. They did. For Aaron that Rogers. was I, that was a decent was, consolation for not taking a receiver in the first round. Yes, uh, I think they were hoping to get Rondale Moore or Elijah Moore later in the second round, but uh, those two both went early in the second round. But getting Amari Rogers is solid, and then taking Eskridge over Amari Rogers, I don't understand that. I just I just wouldn't have taken a receiver. I was or, a very deep offensive line draft you could have taken an offensive lineman absolutely because if i'm not mistaken the vikings uh they took that really good offensive lineman not really good but a solid oh, um offensive Wyatt davis from yeah. ohio state at guard. they took him and they well they took another one they took a center too uh but that might have been before the seahawks pick regardless it was a very deep offensive line draft and you took another receiver. I get it was yeah. a deep receiver draft, um, but there, even if you're taking a receiver, there are better options available. You had Daz Newsome and Amari Rogers available. Yeah. I mean, especially when you already have Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, the NFL is kind of trending in that direction where like, if you don't know what to pick and you take a like, weapon, you can always go, you can always go offense. Like taking a receiver, I don't think is ever going to hurt you, but when you had such a need on the offensive line and like, I think they brought in Gabe Jackson in the off season and he's solid, but like, that's like your only, offensive that's your only, that's yeah, that's the only like one I can serviceable. Right. That's the only one I can even name. Like, yeah. like on top of all their starters already, that's the only one I can name. Um, so there's, there's a tough situation brewing in Seattle, but hopefully the Seahawks can get it figured out. And maybe even if it's necessary to take a trade, um, trade for an offensive lineman throughout the season, uh, maybe you trade Eskridge. Maybe he proves himself in preseason in a couple games. You trade him to somebody who needs a weapon. Perhaps. Um, but there's a lot of room to work with that. Uh, but one team that we know kind of kind of segueing into our, our next one, one team we know that's not going to trade for receiver because they just did the Julio trade. Mm-hmm. What an absolute steal. A second and a sixth round pick. Yeah. Or second and I mean, fourth, second and fourth round pick to get Julio and a sixth round pick back. That's a steal. I don't understand how I don't understand how people uh they, they they keep getting away with this. I don't know how NFL GMs keep getting away with this. Trading a second rounder for DeAndre Hopkins, trading a first rounder for Stephon that, Diggs. That was that was appalling. That That's was highway stupidity. Highway robbery. Yes. Um, now, I will but, say with Julio Jones though is that he's he's older and he's he's got a little bit deeper of an injury history, especially yeah. over the last couple of years. So like I, I, I wouldn't have traded a first round pick for him, but second round, and I would probably have done you know a second and a third round for him. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think I think he's not quite worth a first rounder, but at the same time, I can't picture a first rounder doing what Julio does. Oh yeah, that's that, that's that, also a great argument. Yeah, that's the comparison. Like even if you he's better, first, he's better than you than anyone you would take in the first round of a draft, right, unless right. it's quarterback. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any you could take a first round receiver and him be better than Julio Jones. Now I will say you'll have him for a lot longer because Julio's older. But I think right. him going to Tennessee is going to preserve his career. Um, well, because he doesn't need because 
he's he's better than AJ Brown. He's but better than AJ. Probably Brown. not going to be the. He's probably not going to be the number one though. I think he could still be the number one, but for the sake of the Titans, run the ball a lot. Right. The Falcons pass a lot. So Julio was out there getting thrown to getting targeted and saying him out before Calvin Ridley came along and just completely getting hit on, on plays and just having to run make, into the ground kind of, yeah, run into the ground and, and making tackles too. He had a whole defensive highlight tape um, yeah. in Atlanta. So I think, I think going to Tennessee is the best option for him because first off he's everyone's idol there. Everybody loves him, especially AJ Brown. AJ Brown is like a kid in a candy store when he shows mm-hmm. up for OTAs. Um, but you, you have A.J. Brown, you have Josh Reynolds, who they acquired in the offseason as well. So you have good weapons. Um, I believe they still have Adam Humphreys as well, who's another I think solid, they do still have him in the slot, yeah. He's a solid receiver. Uh, you got Ferkser, who's not bad. Uh, you lost Johnny Smith, but that's okay because you got Julio still. They didn't even really utilize him that much. They did not use him though. the way he was. He was a red zone team. threat, but like he, he, he caught less than – probably less than three or four passes a game. Right. He definitely could have balled out, but he's a better tight end than how they used him. But that's okay because the Ferkser is a good blocking tight end, which is good because they run with Derrick Henry. Exactly. A lot. And that's, I think that's going to preserve Julio's career. It's going to give him at least two to three more years in the league. Not at his prime necessarily. Because he's gonna have right. a yeah, I would say extreme, he's past his prime now, but he's I would say he's at the probably the last one or two years of his prime, but also his usage is gonna go down extremely. So his his prime is gonna look less. And the thing is too, is like the Titans are good enough to where you know they don't need Julio Jones to play 17 regular season games. If he plays 12 and maybe sits out a few games middle of the year, if he's got a little nagging injury, I think they're gonna be fine. And if, as long as Julio is great, yeah, when he comes in games that he plays, he, and maybe he's not a thousand yard. I would, I would say he's probably going to be a thousand yard receiver. I I don't think he needs to be. No, he doesn't have to be. That's the thing with Atlanta. He had to be for them to have a winning shot. He had to do everything for them. And that's, that's unfortunate because they had Calvin Ridley, who's a stud. And I hope Mm -hmm. he steps up now and he's wide receiver one and him and Pitts are going to do extremely well. Um, Right. But yeah, Julio, I would rather have him for 12 games at 100% as opposed to 17 at 85%. And exactly. I, th- I think it's going to work out well uh, for the Titans. Now, hopefully the Falcons can make use of this second and sixth, fourth round pick. Um, I think hopefully they can get a good weapon out of it uh, or a young quarterback. Even Even without Julio, the Falcons receiver core is still, I mean, on paper solid with Ridley. Yeah, they, Kyle Pitts, we project to be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell uh, Gage is a decent – he was a decent number three. He'll have to be a number two now, so we'll see you know, how he does in that role. But, right, and I maybe mean, it's still – and they still have – um oh, uh, the tight end that they traded. Um, oh, Hayden, Hayden Hurst. Hurst, I think. They still have Hayden I, Hurst too. So I believe Hayden Hurst stepped away from football to focus on mental, on mental health. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Well, he's uh, on the roster, so right. I don't know if I don't know if he'll be coming back for the season, but last I heard, he stepped away to focus on his mental health. I re- I remember that now. I I forgot about that. Uh, but still, if he point. if but he comes if back, he, that's if, but if he, if he ends up playing, yes. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a stud on the field. Uh, so I think I think there's a lot of potential for Atlanta's offense, but it all revolves around Matt Ryan if he can get it done or not. Um, right. Which is something we've been saying for a long time. Uh, the would you success. 
if you were the Falcons, would you have not taken Pitts and taken like Justin Fields or Trey Lance or not? Well, you couldn't have taken Lance, but would you have taken Justin Fields? I, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. Um, and I think that's why I'm sitting here in my bed and not in NFL GM. Um, cause I don't know if I can make that decision. Uh, it's very tough. It's the problem because Matt Ryan's good enough. Matt Ryan's still, Matt Ryan's still like, a good starting quarterback. He's probably still top 20 in the league. I put him lower 20, probably about like 16, 17. Um, but, but at like the same still, time, still good. he still can and, get the job done. And you took a safe option. Uh, you took arguably the best player in the draft. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I would necessarily take fields over pits, but I think it's a situation where you can, you, you can't really go wrong with the decision. I don't think, I don't think. Oh, either. So what if, so I obviously Carolina was in the market for a quarterback until they traded for Sam Darnold. Let's assume that they don't make that trade for Sam Darnold and they're looking to draft a quarterback at eight. Would you be more willing to do it if you're the Falcons, knowing that if you don't take a quarterback, one of them is probably going to fall to a division rival at eight? Uh, I I still, and that's the problem I have. I don't think, um, I, I don't let division opponents really affect how I'm going to play the game because I always look at it as, well, they can draft that quarterback, but they're still going to have to beat us regardless. I get they have another piece, but I'm not going to sacrifice my plans for their pick. Um, right. And so I don't think that would have changed my draft at all, but it's still a, st- a tough decision. I think I would have just taken Pitts, honestly, just because he's one of the safest players in the draft to take because he's going fair. to produce. Fair assessment. Fair, fair assessment. Cool. Um, so now – Let's make some predictions for some NFL superlatives with the most valuable player, uh, comeback player of the year, offensive and defensive players of the year. Same thing with offensive rookies and defensive rookies of the year. Um, and then coach of the year. Um, we'll start off with the big one, the, the the most valuable player. Ryan, who you got winning MVP this year? Oh, man. I believe I'm going I'm, to I'm, – it's, it's – it's not a really off the wall pick. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that boy in KC, Patrick Mahomes, he's built different. A, yeah. I think it's a say I think it's like the Falcons draft pick. I think it's a safe option to take, especially when them buffing up his offensive line, getting Orlando Brown and Joe Thune and Kyle Long, even though he's injured, he still is hoping to be good by week one. Uh they beefed up his O line, which is his biggest problem in the Super Bowl. And he still has Tyreek Hill. He lost Sammy Watkins, but he still has Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman um, and Travis Kelsey, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Kyle Edwards-Alaire is going to ball out this year, and I think I think Mahomes is just probably the safest option, especially with the turmoil and Aaron Rodgers going on right now. I think he would probably be my second option. But with him being iffy right now, I'm going to have to go ahead and say Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, best quarterback in the game, it's hard to argue against that. If I went, if I had to go against that a little bit and not go with that, I don't know if that's like the obvious option, but I feel like a lot of people would pick Patrick Mahomes. I think it's the fan favorite. Sure. Um, I'm going to go with the youngster in Buffalo, Josh Allen. That was my number two pick, other than, well, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but with him being, if I had to pick somebody not named Patrick Mahomes, I would say Josh Allen. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, 
because he has Stefan Diggs and that connection and, and year one was incredible. Cole Beasley, I think, is probably the best slot receiver in the game, underrated. Uh, and then you brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who is a savvy, really good route running veteran. You still got um, John Brown. Uh, no, John Brown left actually. Did John he? Brown's not, yeah, he's not there um, anymore. If oh, he was I remember. There, that would have been if insane. he was there, it would be insane. But yeah, yeah, he's not there anymore. Um, I yeah, that's a real. I, I think, I think they were really holding out to hopefully get a running back in the first round, and then uh, right before them, the Jaguars took ETN. I think mm-hmm. the Bills were really hoping to get him, but they still got a. Rayshon Phillips, I think it is, or Jalen Phillips from Miami, the defensive end. Um, so that's still a good pick for them. But I really think they were hoping to get Najee Harris or ETN to pair yeah. up with Josh Allen because that would have been an insane read option if you had oh Josh Allen and ETN. Um, you could do some RPOs to Diggs, ETN, and, and Allen. Um, but I think I think they're still in a good position. Yeah, uh, having – I know they're not – a star-studded list of receivers. I mean, you got Diggs, obviously, who's top five receiver in the game right now. Um, you have Beasley, who's not—he's not by any means top ten, but he's a great route runner. And if you have Diggs on the other side, he's good enough to be a receiver too. We saw that in his career in Dallas and moving over to Buffalo. He can get himself open. Mm-hmm. Um, picking up Emmanuel Sanders, he's a little out of his prime, but I think he's still got gas in the tank. Yeah. I was, and they have I Dawson was, Knox too at tight end, who is a he's a solid tight end option. He's not not gonna you know blow your doors off, but you know serviceable. Right, and on top of that, you have four games throughout your season. If you're Josh on you have four games throughout your season that are Jets, Jets, Patriots, Patriots, and the and depending on how those depending on how the Patriots off season plays out, those are four games where you can really run up the stats. Yeah. Um, just like how Tom Brady made it to the playoffs over and over throughout his career, a weak AFC East. Now it's the Bills' turn to run a weaker AFC East. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dolphins are going to be your tough challenge, yes, but overall, uh, and then, yeah, I think I think those I think Josh Allen is set up for a good year. If I had to pick a sleeper for MVP, and this is going to come way out of left field, uh, I don't know if I don't know who's if you're going to agree with me on this or or not at all. That dude that just moved out to L.A., Matthew Stafford. Okay. I think he's – because he's a great quarterback, but on top of it now, he's got weapons. He's got Cam Akers, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Deshaun Jackson, Golden Tate. I forgot Uh, they have Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, they just picked up Deshaun Jackson and Golden Tate. 2-2 Atwell. Uh, They got rid of Gerald Everett in the offseason, but they still have that other tight end. Tyler Higby. Yeah, Higby, who's still a stud. And then that defense. That defense is going to let him be on the on the field a lot and wear out the opposing defense. I think he could really run it up. You know what? I, I don't hate that at all. I really don't. And actually, um, my friend Alec was was really thinking, you know, Matt Stafford could have a blow-up kind of year. Um, he said 6,000 yards passing, which I don't, uh, I don't know. I doubt uh, that. With the, even with the extra game, I doubt yeah. that. Well, you, okay, okay. I forgot about the extra three, game. Um, I would say 5,200. still need to throw for 350 a game, and I don't know if he's going to throw for 350 a game. No, I would give him a 52 to 5,500 with the extra game. Um, yeah. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, I think with the upside of that and – as I mentioned previously, when we were talking about the Broncos, the Chiefs have to play the Broncos, who has the number one secondary in the NFL, 
the Chargers, who have a good secondary with Derwin James coming back, and the Raiders, who just drafted uh, Morig and still have a couple good, excuse me, like uh, Damon Arnett and mm-hmm. Morig. Uh, Mahomes might struggle a little bit there just because he's got six games worth of playing tough division opponents on the defense. Right. So I think I think it's an open field for MVP, but my safe pick would be Mahomes. My sleeper would be Matt Stafford. I like that a lot. So a lot of candidates for comeback player of the year. You have like Saquon and Dak Prescott. I mean, Tim Tebow's name has even been thrown out there, which that's not likely that's, at all. If, if I, Tim doubt he's, Tebow, I doubt he's even on the week one roster. I think Tebow will be on the week one roster, not for the sake of him being good enough, but just for the media's sake, because he went back and immediately he held three of the top five spots for jerseys. In sales, um, stupid. I agree. It's very Can we stupid. We get off this Tim Tebow train. Like Tim Tebow was unfairly. Um, he was ousted. Kind of from yeah, the yeah. He I was. I think he was definitely good enough to be a starter in the league for a couple years, and he kind of helped the NFL shift in a different direction in terms of quarterback play because absolutely, you know, I, quarterback draw is something that we never really saw from. You saw it. You saw it if you had extremely mobile quarterbacks, but now he was like a guy. Michael Vick that came before Tim Tebow. Yes. But that was like a one. Like that was he was the only one of his kind. Yeah. Tim Tebow kind of was the next one that kind of helped. Tim know, Tebow was one of the first way. guys who could make you dual threat. He could he yes. could throw the ball, but you still had to worry about him running it down the field. And then Cam Newton took that and ran with it literally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some Florida quarterbacks in it. Um. Uh, anyway um yeah i think he won't make i think he'll make the 53 man roster but not play in the field but with comeback player of the year my superlative only for the sake of it not always going to be a quarterback award but they have the best odds to win it. i must say dak prescott's going to win it um that's who i was thinking too just because he's he's got tons of weapons he's got a mario cooper cd lamb michael gallup hopefully zeke comes back the o-line's looking a little better uh the defense just got a little beefed up with getting kelvin joseph and and uh micah parsons yeah hopefully you're not going to be giving up 50 points a game um it's still not a good defense but it's, it's not probably, a good defense it's probably gonna but it's hold better. up a little better yeah yeah it's not good but it's better um but I would say Saquon is probably the second best odds. That's uh, that's who I was thinking too. Is you put Saquon right behind him. I've heard a lot of Joe Burrow getting talk about comeback player of the year. Also true. Uh, where he got Jamar Chase with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, um, and Joe Mixon coming back. I heard another one, someone talking about Joe Mixon getting comeback player because he's a stud There's too. A lot of options. But the problem with that is the Bengals O line. I think that's what's going to hold those two back from winning it. And having any success, that and the toughness I think of the, the AFC Bengals, the Bengals needed to take Sewell or Slater at five, and not I, Chase. I really think they did too. Um, I'm not mad. They did get with Jackson Carmen in the second round, but like, but that's risky. He's a second round offensive lineman. Yeah. He's not. He's not Panay Sewell. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, and that's very fortunate for the Lions. I think the Lions had a really good draft, uh, getting him to fall to them. Um, yeah, I think I think the Bengals should have taken an alignment in the first round. I was standing on that soapbox saying it all throughout draft night, and Bengals fans were trying to crucify me for it. They're like, "No, we got Jamar Chase." And I'm like, "Look, I'm an LSU fan. I love Jamar Chase. I love watching him. I love that connection right. between him, Burrow, and Justin Jefferson in LSU. I don't think it was the right move. Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. sure, he's one of the best players in the draft again. He's in our safe pick. He's going to be an All Pro player, but." 
that's if you have time to throw the ball and not get yeah, if Joe Burrow's going to be on his back after every play. I mean, that's, that's not good. Yeah. We saw it with Matt Stafford, dude had no time to throw the ball ever. He had Megatron to throw it to, but he never won anything because he was always getting hit and he's getting hurt. So my comeback player of the year, I'd say probably realistically Dak Prescott. I'd like to see Saquon win it, especially with all the weapons the giants just got. Um, I think it gives him an option to be a, not have to be relied on, but just give him a chance to flourish. Um, they're two-dimensional once again in New York, and I think he's got an, an okay shot at doing it. If, it's, if there's anyone that's going to be Dak, it's going to be him. This one, this one's always hard for me, like offensive player of the year and defensive. Well, defensive player of the year, maybe not so hard, but offensive player of the year, I feel like it always goes to a running back. Yeah. I feel like it's. I feel like it's never usually a quarterback. I feel like it's always a running back that just puts together a great year. Um, I don't know who won it last year. Um, was it Derrick Henry I last year because he had two thousand yards? Yeah, yeah, I think Derrick Henry won it because I was thinking it was Josh Allen, but I think Derrick Henry won it. Well, let's um, let's take a look. But I mean, you can while I'm looking it up, you can go ahead and make your prediction for. Yeah, it's a t- it's a tough situation because I think the way they look at it is. Offensive player of the year, they look at it this way because MVP is a quarterback award almost always. So they're going to say the number one running back is better than the number two quarterback. I think that's why they give offensive player of the year to running back often or receiver, mostly a running back because they carry the load. I would say um, my comeback player – or not my comeback player. We just already went over that. My offensive player would probably either be Derrick Henry or – um, I don't even know what other Dalvin Cook probably. That's who I was thinking. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry did win it or did win it last year. Um, and so and I don't he, I don't discredit that at all because he's a stud. But with the addition of yeah. Julio Jones and AJ Brown on the rise, I don't know if that's going to reduce any of his touches or any of his yards. But it it might just because they'll be a little bit more dynamic offensively, so they can they can kind of pick and choose what they want to do. Right. So it just depends, but um, I I would go with Dalvin Cook, but if Dal- but if if Derrick Henry's getting thirty carries a game and he's rushing for a buck fifty a game, like and he's got a two thousand yard season again, it'd be hard to not. It's give hard it to, to not give. Yeah, it's absolutely hard to not give it to him again, especially uh, Dalvin Cook last year. He he didn't win it because he missed games um, due to injury and due to one game he didn't play because his father passed away which is unfortunate, but regardless, he still missed games. And Derrick Henry was in that lineup every game. He didn't miss one. He played, and he balled out. So I think Derrick Henry's a safe pick. Um, my sleeper for this one's going to be Alvin Kamara. Uh, sure. See uh, see how he carries the load with Drew Brees being gone, if they try to go a little bit more one-dimensional with him, or if they trust Jameis Winston to sling that thing to Michael Thomas. I mean, we know Jameis can sling it, but is he going to be slinging it to the right team? Right. He's had a knee surgery and LASIK eye surgery since the last time he started at quarterback. So hopefully he's a little bit more corrected, but we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, I think we could see Kamara carrying the load a lot more than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, moving on. Defensive to- player of the year. Yeah. I th- I feel like it's always Aaron Donald. I know he won it last year. I think he's won it probably two or three times. Yeah, I think. I feel like he, that. I feel like God, I have to say someone other than Aaron Donald. Just because it's really hard to vote against Aaron him, Donald. though. It, yeah, it's it's kind of like picking Mahomes as your MVP pick because those two are top two in the league. But I, 
It's hard to pick against Aaron Donald just because he is that guy, but I'm going to pick against him. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick Miles Garrett. Having Jadavion okay. Clowney on the other side of the line and getting a, a beefed up secondary in the offseason and getting some linebackers. They got Anthony Walker from the Colts, who's a stud. Uh, I think it just gives him more of an opportunity to just, just go one-on-one throughout the season, and I think he's going to win. I think he'll finally win it. It's going to be him or T.J. Watt. But I would. That's say, who my pick was going to be was T.J. Watt. Uh, T.J. Watt, I think, was second last year. Uh, I think he led. T.J. Watt should have won it last year. Didn't he but, lead the league in sacks? Yes. As much as Aaron Donald deserved to win it, T.J. deserved it more. Um, yeah, and it's not a shot I, at Aaron Donald. It's not a shot at Aaron Donald at all because he's arguably he's already in the conversation for best defensive player of all time. Uh, in my right. book, I think he's just an animal. I think he already, and I hate to say this because I love him. I think he already passed JJ Watt. Um, but I, I, I just, mean, it's debatable. It's certainly yeah, by it's, the time he's done, he's definitely going to be ahead of yeah, JJ Watt. Yeah, because Aaron Donald's only in like his sixth year. He got drafted right. in like 2014, 2015. So he's still got a lot of gas in the tank, especially the way he takes care of his body. It's hard to go against Aaron Donald, but yeah, I'm going to say Miles Garrett, and I do think T.J. Watt should have won it last year. I think he's another good option. Yeah, my my guy is T.J. Watt. Now, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Love this one. Justin Fields is going to be my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. I want to pick Justin Fields, but I don't think he's going to start soon enough um, to win it, and that's going to be the problem for him. Not his stats, just his playing time. Because I'm going to go ahead and pick the boring pick, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to have him winning it just because I, I know he's starting day one. And I know he's just – he plays in the weakest conference in football right now in the AFC West. Or not AFC, AFC South. Because um, he plays against the Texans who are a mess. He plays against the Colts who they – they did they did well in the offseason. They didn't really get any better, but they didn't get any worse. They lost a couple defenders and they play against the Titans who just have a bad defense. Um they have a great offense but a bad defense. So I think Trevor Lawrence is your is my best bet to pick offensive rookie of the year. But if I had to pick someone else, I'd probably say Zach Wilson. Honestly, really? Because he's another he's another day one start. He got some weapons. He got a couple of linemen. He got Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, uh, Michael Carter, the running back from North Elijah Carolina. Elijah Vera Tucker on the offensive uh, line. Vera Tucker on the offensive line. So he got da- he got Dan Feeney and Vera Tucker to beef up the O line. Um, and he's yeah he's got to play the Bills defensive back core is, is solid, but it's not anything like super special. Um, Dolphins have a really good defensive back core. And the Patriots, it just depends on how their offseason played out, how their their investments, because they paid a lot of money. Uh, right. It's just it's just gonna see how that plays out. But I would say probably one and two are my picks in that order. Uh, Trevor Lawrence winning and Zach Wilson being second. Okay. Yeah, I, I like Justin Fields because I think he's gonna end up being the the week one starter because it sounds like he's already playing pretty well in training camp and yeah the uh, good so the quote from darnell mooney he said i was smiling mid-route when the first time he threw a ball to me he yeah said, i mean i i just i feel like it's just gonna work i th- i think it'll work too and that's i don't i was really i think that was my favorite pick from the draft 
and I'm a Chargers fan. I would love that we got Slater, but I think my favorite pick from the draft was Fields going to the Bears just because I know it's going to make him better. My worry is not about him playing. It's about when he plays. I just I think he's not going to start soon enough to win rookie of the year. Fair enough. Defensive like, rookie of the year. Mm, very tough. Got. Very tough. Uh, I'm going to let you start this one off. I got I to gotta look through the past draft. I got to look for sure. This might be a biased pick just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm gonna say Micah Parsons. That's that's a fair that's a fair pick. Uh, I was just so fast, great run stopper. He, he could potentially lead the league in tackles, and uh, and he can also get to the quarterback, so he might have a handful of sacks. So I think uh, I'm gonna go with Parsons. Yeah, I think he's absolutely there. I don't doubt it at all. Um, I think. Mine would probably have to be between the two corners that went in eight and nine, JC Horn and Pat Sertain. That's um, also fair. I think I think Sertain's probably got it just because he's not only is he an absolute stud, but he's in a pass heavy conference. So he's got a lot more opportunity and he's on the best secondary in the league. So he gets he'll get to cover the number two guy, uh, most likely because I believe their starting corner is Boyer. Perhaps I know they also brought in Ronald Darby and they also have Kyle Fuller. Oh yeah. Fuller will be their number one. I don't think Bouye is there anymore. Uh, I can't remember. I think, I think they cut him this off season. That might've been the case, but regardless of that, they have Justin Simmons. um, At safety. At safety. Rome in the top. I think Sertain just has a great opportunity to win it, but also JC Horn playing against James Winston twice a year could bode really well. Um, True, but I'm not against that Micah Parsons pick because, as you mentioned, he's going to be flying all over the field. Uh, but he's going to have a lot to cover when he plays Washington and New York. Yes, mm-hmm. um, they're yeah. they're very they're the NFC East is very weapon heavy as much as the teams are subpar. A lot of them have weapons and a lot of them have speed. Yes, they do. Yep. Um, even with Devonte Smith on the Eagles, even though he's the lone soldier there in Philly, I mean that's still he's still going to be pretty good. So. Yeah, yeah, you still got to cover Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. Exactly. Um, um, now our last superlative is Coach of the Year. I have a feeling that someone's going to go a specific route on this one. Uh, I'm going to let you start with this one. I'm going to let you start with this one. Uh, I was thinking your guy, Brandon Staley in in Los Angeles with the chargers. That's, that's exactly who I was going to pick. You, you you called it. Uh, Was that your pick as well? Cause that's definitely my, that is my pick. Yeah. That's your pick. pick. Okay. Well then we're two for two Uh, Staley coming off being the defensive coordinator for the Rams. And we saw how that play out because their defense was electric. Even with, even with guys who weren't named Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, you still had Leonard Floyd playing extremely well. You had Darius Williams in the defensive backcourt playing extremely well. Uh, And my worry for Saley is defensive minded head coaches don't always pan out. We saw Matt Patricia go to the Lions, but that's, that's the Lions. So I will say he, but he knows he, he, just put an offensive line around Justin Herbert though. Yeah. He's doing the right so thing. I think he understands that he's got a very, very good young quarterback and he's supporting him right now, but defensively he knows that he can take care of what he needs to take care of. And he can uh, let Justin Herbert do the rest. Absolutely. He know he knows that the offense is good enough to be ran itself. Um, and we actually, uh, we actually just picked up the, it's either the offensive. I don't think it's the offensive coordinator. I think it's the quarterback's coach. Um, but it could be the offensive coordinator from the Saints, 
the one who worked with Drew Brees for the longest time. Um, and so Herbert has been working with Drew Brees actually a lot recently, um, which will help tremendously. That's, yes. That's going to help. That's going to help more up here. Yeah, exactly. Cause well, the football Herbert's already got a, a beautiful ball and extreme arm power. Um, but yeah, having, having the mental aspect of it on top of everything, I think that's going to be an extreme help. Uh, so Staley, I think, I think he can pan out, especially with getting Asante Samuel Jr. in the draft, having Derwin come back off injury, and still having Chris Harris mm-hmm. um, and Nasir Adderley playing. I think, I think there's a lot of potential in L.A., and I'm excited for it. Because we, as of right now, I, ju- I just saw it, uh, there was a graphic that was put up on Instagram. The Chargers have the ninth youngest team of average age in all of sports, not just football. Really? Wow. Uh, the average age of – chargers players are 24.3 years old it's a bright future and and with that being ninth on top of that first place was the oklahoma city thunder and their average age was 23 so there's not a big gap between ninth and first um so there's there's a bright future in la which is seems to be how la is um yeah but, but i'm excited for you know i'm finally getting sports are finally starting to go my way i'm starting to get I'm starting to get excited about sports again. Chargers are on the upswing. The Knicks are definitely on an upswing. Uh, I'm super happy about that. I don't really follow baseball too much, but what I do follow, I like the Padres just because I I really like Tatis and Machado. Mm, um, sure, yeah. Tatis is Tatis, he's fun to watch. He's he's bringing he's the energy. He's a stud. He's bringing the energy back to baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Hockey, I haven't been watching it too much, but I'm a Caps fan, so that hurt. I am not that, a big hockey guy either. Uh, that that one really hurt to watch. Watching the Caps get the swept, just broomed out. Um, mm-hmm. But it was nice to see the Penguins get swept because I don't like Pittsburgh sports. So, same. Um, I know, I know. If WMCO's Brittany Edgar listens to this, she's gonna get mad at me because I I sent her the broom emoji when they got swept. And we'll, she's, we'll, we'll clip this out and tag her. We'll clip this out and tag her for sure. She was not happy about that, but my team got swept too. So I'm not too, I'm not too uh, far ahead of her. Um, That's fair. But yeah, it's it sports. Sports are fine. At LSU. We're, we're going to do better than we did last year because last year was recovery. Um, there was a press conference the other day with coach. O. he mentioned that Derek Stingley would be possibly taking reps at receiver as well as DB. Mm in all uh he said it was up to him it was up to stingley if he wants to or not but he's he's able to so uh stingley might mess around and win the heisman and lsu's on the upswing so you know it's just it's a good time to be a sports fan for me i'm happy yeah for you yeah and And speaking of sunny skies and bright futures in la (laughs) i guess we'll we'll shift to uh the closing of the show today with the los angeles lakers maybe not so shiny of a day for them uh, because they got bounced in the first round by the Phoenix Suns in uh, six games. I mean, what does it what does it look like for the Lakers? Because obviously AD kind of limped into the playoffs and probably shouldn't have even really been playing after he hurt his groin. LeBron did not look like he looked just totally disinterested in that series. Yeah, he, he just didn't look aggressive. He had the, about everything. The uh, one game they won. Uh, not that they only won one game, but the the game they won, they were having a blast, and he was like actually having oh game three, 
Yeah, game three where he had the the, the famous backup against Jay Crowder and the whole sidelines getting excited. Um, that was the only time I ever saw LeBron really care about that series. Uh, he just, yeah, he really just didn't look like he cared much about it. And I don't know what the deal was with that, but it was not fun to watch. But I will say, of all people, it was nice to see Chris Paul send him out in the first oh, round. Oh, I, I, and I love Chris Paul. Definitely an underrated player and he should have gotten more MVP votes. Yeah, I think he probably should have been Steph Curry personally, but like he should have been second and Jokic should not have been Jokic would have been third for me. I would have had Chris Paul at four probably and beat at three Steph at two. And I think I still would have had Jokic winning. The problem with Steph enough. Uh, problem with Steph is being the eight seed. And, and not making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Yes. Uh, or not yet. Yeah, not even being the eight seed ended up being the nine seed um, not making the playoffs. And on top of that, Jokic played every game and led his team in points, assists and rebounds. I think that's what constitutes being the most valuable player. Um, but I do think I'm glad to see Chris ball finally having a good run at the championship because I think he's one of the unluckiest players in NBA history. Um, I think it's just, yeah. it's, it's been unfortunate for him, but you look at every team he's ever been at and their win percentage increases when he's there. First time in 11 years, the Phoenix Suns have made the playoffs. Last year, they were 10th in the West and like two or three games out of that yeah, eighth the, seed. Then they went. And now this year, they're the they're second in the West and they're second. I think they had the second best record in the NBA behind yeah. the Jazz. So, because uh, that's well, that's and it's the same I, team from last year, and you're just adding Chris Paul. So, yeah, uh, well, they in the bubble went eight and zero and then got bounced. So they went undefeated right. and then well, didn't. Just, because they're a lot, they're they're just young kids, um, yeah. Mostly, and then when you add CP3, I mean, the, the Thunder the veteran, had they, they, the Thunder almost beat the Rockets in the bubble last year, and they, they had no business even no, forcing that to a seven game series. No, nobody expected uh, the Thunder to do well, but it's it's the beautiful thing about Chris Paul is he makes everybody around him better. He's had three game. He's had three games of fifteen points, fifteen assists, and zero turnovers in the playoffs alone, um, and that's something you don't see from nearly anybody. Uh, you're Stockton's, your Rondos, uh, your Chris Pauls, but those are about it. Um, it's just those type of players that can make everyone around them better is good for the league, right? Um, um, so with the Lakers, though, since you know, the bounce in the first round and a lot of people expected them, I think, to at least get back to the finals. Maybe you don't beat Brooklyn if Brooklyn gets there because they, they just got a lot of star power, but everyone expected them to get back to the finals. And now you're out in the first round. I would imagine that they're going to kind of reshuffle that team a little bit next year. Wouldn't you? I would assume so, especially with the way LeBron conducts his team because Le- Aaron Rodgers at kind of telling back to exactly what we did, what we did in the first segment, Aaron Rodgers wants what LeBron has complete and total say over the organization. LeBron, we've seen it time in time out. If he doesn't like what's going on with the organization, he'll trade somebody or he'll tell coach yep. or tell the GM to trade somebody. So I think that's what we could see again this year. LeBron, the probably the biggest thing he did in the playoffs was afterwards changing his number from twenty three to six. Um, yeah, which that's that doesn't mean anything to me. But. No, it doesn't change anything to me. Uh, I think it was just a way to look past the loss and be like, oh, I changed my number, try to like hide that first round exit. Um, I'm not a big LeBron guy myself, uh, but I understand his greatness on the court. 
Um, I think I think we could see a mix up definitely with the Lakers. Uh, might try to trade a player or two to try to move up in the draft. Maybe get somebody like uh, if they can if they can trade somebody for a really early pick. Try to get somebody like Cade Cunningham in the draft and give them a guard because that's what they really need. They have Anthony Davis if he stays healthy, and they have LeBron. You got Drummond and Harrell and Marcus Gasol. Your front court's good. Your back court needs to be better. Schroeder and Caruso and Kuzma and they're just not getting it done. Yeah. So there's a, there's a handful of players that, I mean, some of them are still under contract, but I mean, they could be traded um, this off season. If LeBron says, you know, it's time to go bye-bye. So let's play like, I guess um, LeBron or LeBron, like you're, you're <laughs> yeah. on the team or you're off the team. Um, there's a couple obvious ones, but we'll just go down the list. I have just a handful listed here. Not everybody on the team, but just the notables. Um, Anthony Davis, I think we both agree would be LeBron. He, he right? would be LeBron. Um, okay. I think I think he will stay. Uh, he definitely needs to get healthier, work on his body in the off season because he is like a game of operation right now. Yes. Um, I actually saw a meme the other day. It was a bag of ruffles, uh, jalapeno or whatever. It hit Anthony Davis's bag of ruffles, and they opened it up, and everything was crumbled in there. All the chips were just crumbs. Um, yeah, that's. <laughs> And, true. and it was very, it was very funny, but it's, it's actually, he does need to focus on his injuries, but I would say LeBron. Andre Drummond. I Cause would, he will be a free agent. He will be he, a free agent. He will be a free agent. I will also say LeBron. Um, he will be LeBron. There have been reports from the Lakers that said they would like to keep drumming around for long-term to make him a key piece to their future. So I would say they're going to do what they can to bring him back. Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he He's on contract, if I'm not mistaken. He is. And, yep. But I will still say LeBron. I think he will be traded uh, depending on his – depending on his value, because I remember draft night, they were talking about him being better than Kuzma or being him being better than Jason Tatum. And now here we are, Jason Tatum's dropping 50 pieces in the playoffs and Kuzma yeah. is barely, barely even playing and not doing well. Um, I think he averaged six points in that series against the Suns. Yeah. And he was not shooting. Well, I remember, I remember watching him just absolutely brick one off the backboard and LeBron looks at him funny. I think that was the moment I knew he was LeBron. Yeah. Uh, I think when they traded for Anthony Davis, instead of training Brandon Ingram to the Pelicans, they should have kept Ingram and traded Kuzma away because they actually wanted Kuzma. They didn't want Ingram, but absolutely. I I would have done that too, because Ingram is a lot better than Kuzma is. Yes. Yeah. Now Dennis Schroeder. I'm also going to say LeBron. I think he I think he, he said would, he wants to come back. Well, of course he would like to come back. Uh sure. Um <laughs> I would like LeBron I, James. I right. I would want to I would want to stay on the uh on the Lakers too just winning the finals the past year and making it back to the playoffs even though you're out. I'd want to stay on the Lakers too. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be back though. Um I think he really fumbled the bag cuz he was offered a massive contract and then He was and he turned it down. Turned it down to be a backup on the Lakers. And now he's going to struggle. Um, I think he's a little rough. He's yeah. He's not going to get 
and I don't think the Lakers are going to offer him that same deal. It's going to be less. So he yeah. honestly should have taken that mid year when he was playing well. Yes. If he wants to come back, it'll be on almost a minimum deal at this point. I mean, yeah. If, if like the Lakers want to keep Drummond, that could be a little expensive. So, I mean, he's going to have to sacrifice a little bit of moolah there. Right. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, I'm going to say LeBron. He didn't play extremely great, but you don't expect that out of Contavious Caldwell Pope. You expect a solid role player who can get the job done on offense and defense. And I think that's what Caldwell Pope does. He brings that level. He can can hit a three when you need it. He can, he can hit a three when you need it and he holds zone on defense. And I think he's good enough to be a role player and he didn't do anything to make LeBron mad. So I'm going to say LeBron. Uh, Two, three more players, actually. Um, Alex Caruso. I am going to say LeBron. He reminds me a lot of Matthew Della Vadova. Uh, just a lot of hustle and mm-hmm. way better on defense than he is on offense. Um, but he's still going to give you everything he got. And and I think LeBron respects that. And plus his media presence. Caruso can make just a, a dive for the ball and you're going to see it on House of Highlights. But yeah. somebody else can somebody else can do a windmill dunk, and you're not going to see it. Um, I think he carries a lot of media presence with him, just because he's a guy that doesn't look the part. Right. So for that for that reason, I will say he's LeBron. Two more, Marcus All, LeBron. I don't think, uh, especially if he's a contract deal, I don't think he'll be back. Um, I don't. Yeah, think he. he played- I think they brought him in on a one year deal, and it was like a minimum. Yeah, I don't think he'll be back uh, for the sake of there's they they just don't have a need for him between having Anthony Davis trying to re-sign Drummond and uh, I think they would rather keep Harrell than Mark Gasol, but at the same time, one of those two is going to be off whether it's um, whether it's Montrezl Harrell or if it's Mark Gasol, one of those two will be off. The other so that was stay. that was going to be my last one. So is so is Montrez Harrell a LeBron for you? I would say. Harrell is going to be a LeBron. I know in the playoffs we saw Mark Gasol getting more time than Harrell, but I think that was more of just a matchup situation with DeAndre Ayton um, sure. playing against him. I think Harrell will be a better, especially if he takes a, a, a smaller deal if he can restructure his contract. I think I think he's got. I think he signed a two-year deal, I, unless it was a one plus one and it was a player option. Yeah, I'm not I sure how that deal is. under contract. I think he's still under contract. I don't think they're going to trade him because I don't think they're going to get enough out of him to be worried about trading him. Um, I'm going to say he's on. And since I uh, since I since I guessed your your last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two. I'm gonna ask you two LeBrons and LeBrofs. Um, first okay. one, Markeith Morris. Uh, I will say probably LeBrof. I did not. He didn't really make much of an impact in the playoffs, and I he started in Game Five in a lineup that hadn't even played together once the whole year. With it was like him, Marcus All, um, AD was obviously out, and then LeBron. Schroeder and like Caruso, like that lineup had never played together the whole year. Keith Morris didn't really do much. He's very cheap. I don't think they're going to keep him though. And my last one, Wesley Matthews. I would also say LeBron. Uh, I think the plus minus with him on the floor, uh, they were like minus 36 in the playoffs when he was on the floor. So I 
didn't really like the the Lakers were very guard heavy, but none of them were really like great. Contavious Caldwell Pope is probably the best of those guards, but like kind of got lost in the fold a little bit. So I he's cheap, but I think the Lakers can probably just go out and get another guard in the offseason on a minimum deal that can probably shoot it a little better. Um, like Wesley, like Wesley Matthews is fine. I don't think he's a bad player. I wouldn't hate bringing him back, but probably it's just, I don't know if it's the right fit. I can get behind that. He's a good role player, but not if you're a contending team. I think he's a good role player for a mid-level team, good veteran that can, can teach some things, but will not help you win by any means. Yes. Um, but mm-hmm. that's, that's all I had for LeBron or LeBron. Uh, obviously the goat Jared Dudley is going to be LeBron. Um, yeah, probably he's cause he's just going to stay uh, coast to son of the Kumpo. I don't think you can really say anything. Cause he's uh, he, cause I think he's a two way player anyways. I think he's on the, uh, he's on the G league team. So yeah, I, I never mean. really see him play uh Taylor Horton Tucker. He's going to stay just because he's on he'll stay. Deal still rookie deal. Still goodness gracious. Um, that just goes to show how long we've been talking. I'm starting to run out of words. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we, I think we covered everything. Do you have any, any more final real quickly NBA finals prediction NBA finals prediction. That's right. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say sun, no jazz first nets. And I'm going to have nets in five MVP finals. MVP is going to be Kyrie Irving. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to take the team you hesitated on the Phoenix suns out of the West. And I'm going to take the nets out of the East. I'll take the Nets probably in six. And okay. finals MVP will probably be Kevin Durant. That's a, that's a good pick. I really wanted to pick the Suns just because of Chris Paul's way to do, dominate the game and play at his pace. Him and Devin Booker can really slow yeah. themselves down. KD, James Harden, Kyrie is too much. Oh, I was just talking about to make the finals. Yeah. I, oh, okay. No, I think I think the Nets have Oh, yeah, lot. yeah, yeah. Um, I Fair. think – I think Donovan Mitchell and three times defensive player of the year, Gobert. I think Gobert is just going to bully Aiden in the post. And if you can't get the pick and roll working for Phoenix, then that's when you're in trouble. Um, but yeah, I think the Nets, I think they're the team to beat. I think they have it pretty easy uh, just walking through. And it's crazy I'm saying that about the Nets. Who would have ever thought? Um, but here no. we are. Here we are. I think, I think Kyrie will just beat out Kevin Durant for – uh, finals MVP just because I think he's I think he's gonna match up well against in my in my matchup it's he's gonna match up well against the Jazz because you're gonna have Donovan Mitchell probably covering KD yeah which that's gonna be that's Donovan Mitchell's a great defender but you're gonna have to put him on you know on yeah it's it, you're, he's not, you're not gonna have, put Gobert on KD so no he won't be able to keep up uh so you're either gonna have to have Mitchell on Kyrie or Mitchell on KD and I think whoever he doesn't guard wins Finals MVP. Yeah, I think I think the Nets are just gonna just gonna cakewalk this one. Unfortunately, I think I have them in five. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, brother. But I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the support as well. You shot me out on Snapchat. That was awesome. I'm of glad course. that I probably a little too long, but I'm glad I finally got you on on the show. And definitely more than welcome to come back whenever you can come back as many times as you want, as often as you want. Had a great time. Um, love conversations like this and. Uh, yeah, man. appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be back. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm always down to be back whenever our schedules line up and we can be free. If you're recording, I, I'm happy to be back. There's a lot of sports to talk about. And I'm happy to talk about it. 
Um, this is my first, this is my first time talking about sports on a podcast or a talk show or anything since being at Muskingum. So it was, it was, it was nice to knock, knock the rust off. Uh, maybe next time I'll look a little more presentable than a, than a loose tie dye shirt and some, oh, gre- some greasy both. hair. Uh, this we'll, ain't any, this ain't any professional stuff here, man. I'm just having some fun. So. Well, yeah, we'll get some, uh, We'll get we'll get some spice back into it, but I'm always down to be back on. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's just nice to be back talking about sports. Yes, sir. And uh, if I don't run into you, um, like in person, definitely you know, best of luck with everything this summer. Best of luck at OU too. I appreciate um, it. Best of luck. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll miss you at Miss Kingham, but uh, I think. <sighs> I'm going to miss the people too. I'll definitely be back. I'll definitely have to come take a visit, uh, make a trip back up well, there. We got to, we got to come visit you too. So absolutely. You're, you're always welcome. Uh, we'll get it figured out. Um, yes. and, and we'll, we'll be doing well. Uh, good luck, Mr. Program director. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm also nervous for it at the same time. I think it's going to be ran extremely well. I'm excited to see what you can do. Appreciate it, man. But we'll definitely get you back here on the pod here soon whenever we can get it lined up we'll uh, we'll keep it going brother absolutely 